Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. What's good, my friends? This is the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are... The fan upstate rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m. today. Truly do appreciate you being with us. Here is what's coming up. We go to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas where Alex Gold of 610 Sports Kansas City joins us in the very, very next segment. Uh, Looking forward to that. It has been called the Deal to Save Baseball. That's coming your way at 3.40 p.m. this afternoon. Uh, all hope may not be lost for this area team based on something I saw. This is exactly the kind of thing that could get me back in to golf. Plus, we've got Mark and Diesel's top five, the top five at five, and we have you here on the most interactive sports radio show anywhere so let's get this party kick-started today with this you know i'm i'm amused by this because josh pate uh is the good cop in college football okay on a much smaller scale i am a bad cop right uh i am the devil's advocate guy i am the guy unafraid of ruffling feathers and i'm not saying josh pate is but what's amusing to me is that Josh is now clapping back at a lot of angry people who are upset with him. And just like we experience, nine out of ten times, they're yelling at him for something that he never said. You know what I'm saying? They're inferring something from something he said, which was not exactly what he said at all. So why don't we open by sharing with you what Josh Pate has said, and then we'll go from there. Here's Josh. I think we'll be okay. It's just that world's going to look a whole lot different. And figuratively, there will be casualties. There will be people. There will be universities. There will be programs that have to fall along the wayside uh, for the greater good of college athletics. But just remember, and I'll leave you with this, and I'm moving on to other things. Um, Remember this. A lot of people forcefully banged the drum for change in college athletics over the last decade. And it was done in the name of things like players' rights. And it was done in the name of many, many different things. And I was, I was okay with it, even if I didn't agree with it. Because you know what? You can want whatever you want. You can fight for whatever you want to fight for. 
the thing that I kind of tried to say on the show is I may not get it in the moment, but I do understand you cannot get the changes that you're claiming you want consequence free. You know, if you have an action over here, there may be an equal and opposite reaction somewhere. The words of one Josh Pate. Um, So he's saying, look, there are going to be entities. There are going to be schools that are left out of this. Okay. Uh, schools left out. So it's it's fascinating, guys, to consider like where we are and where this thing is going and how we're going to get there. Um, Josh also commented on, and look, this guy has his pluses and his minuses. I think he is very smart. I certainly don't always agree with him, although sometimes I do. Clay Travis, political columnist, owner, founder of OutKick, right, has an article out right now that is really, I got to give him credit for this. It was a fascinating read today. Um, it was seven, he, he coined seven different ways for college football to be quote unquote fixed. Okay. And he says to start the big 10 and the sec should join forces and go for profit, right? They should go for profit. He argues that the NFL commands 11 and a half billion dollars per year in television rights and that college football commands two and a half billion per year. And he says college football should be bringing in at least half of what the NFL is and would be able to do so if like the NFL, they were all under one umbrella. If every college football entity was, was under a shield like the NFL or a logo, he thinks they would. I'm not so sure it would be half You guys see the ratings. We see the ratings. College football is number two, but it's a distant number two. In other words, college football is closer to the NBA in Major Major League Baseball than it is to the NFL. The NFL is an entity uh, alone and in and of itself, right? Uh, By itself and alone, a party of one. So uh, to me, this is a fascinating article because I'll go through these one by one with you. And uh, then we've got our buddy Alex Gold joining us from Las Vegas. We can hop back at this in the uh, in the 340 segments. But uh, he says college football media rights are woefully undervalued, which we just touched on. Number two, he says, until players are employees and able to, nego- to negotiate a collective bargaining agreement, there can be no end to antitrust lawsuits against the NCAA or any other governing entity. NCAA football 2025 EA Sports. It's in the game. Until you have that CBA, the antitrust lawsuits are going to continue, he says. He's got a background as an attorney as well, right? Then he says number three, very few college athletes actually have true NIL value. You know that. Like, what does what the fourth-string player on, uh, on the tennis team get? What do, what do they get? Nothing. There's no demand for them. Um, what programs, other than football and men's basketball, earn a profit, don't lose money at the vast majority of schools? Anyone? Bueller? Fry? The answer is nobody. Nobody. Like, you don't. Those are the programs that make money, and football makes a hell of a lot more than basketball. Um... How would this work? How would the combination of these teams work? How would you have teams getting purchased, so to speak? How would that happen? He says college and colleges and universities would likely receive a negotiated percentage of the profits 
from the football programs to fund their existing athletic programs. So like we have seen, football will fund everything else. What about men's and women's basketball going for profit, he says? Maybe eventually, but not immediately, because the NCAA tournament has the rights for years to come. And then he says, how many teams are eventually going to be included in this? And this is where somebody like my, my buddy Diesel's ears perk up because, you know, he says, look, he thinks it could be about 50 teams. So it's a, it's a mad dash, a fight to get into that 50. And then the rest of the teams are going to be left out and they will play in a lower division. And that's going to be how, how it goes. Now, I'm reading this article, guys, and I have one overarching feeling and thought that is just like, it is like raining on me. It is raining on me, and I hate it. And it is the following. How absurd is it that fans have been asked to foot the bill for getting blue-chip athletes to their school? You know, we're arriving at an unfortunate destination where you, the fan, are told you can't complain if you didn't pony up money for collectives. This must stop. No other sport does this. No other sport does this. This is insane. I've got a Patrick on Twitter who is saying fans foot the bill for players in all sports through ticket sales, merchandise purchase, and watch watching advertising. You think the money to pay Lamar Jackson and Steph Curry doesn't originate with the fans? Patrick, it does originate with the fans, but it, that's an indirectly versus directly semantics question. You know, we, we should not be in the position of paying salaries to get kids to come to school. This was never what this was designed to be. And you know what it's going to result in, Patrick? It's going to result in some hedge fund billionaire um, throwing, buying all the good players for the same school. You're beginning to see that right now, aren't you? Just look at the recruiting rankings. Who's up there that normally isn't up there? Man, Oregon certainly certainly seems to be top five every year. I wonder what connection to a billionaire they have. Oh, yeah, Phil Knight, Nike. It's right there. Do you want NIL to exist where a couple of billionaires that love their school just buy up all the players? Is that what you want? Do you want college football to be Major League Baseball with no salary cap? whatsoever if you have a collective bargaining agreement where you know the big 10 and the sec break off and this alliance that they formed is the first step toward that happening they're going to decide what's best for themselves between the two of them everyone says this this is inevitable everyone with a, a finger on the pulse of what's going on but if you have a collective bargaining bargaining agreement where you know these conferences pay the schools through their television contracts and rights deals, guess what? A CBA, according to Clay Travis in this article, is exempt from antitrust law. You sign on as an employee, you can no longer say, I'm suing you because I didn't make enough money. I'm suing you because you're prohibiting me from transferring. Once you have a CBA, there are no more antitrust lawsuits. And that is incredible because what we want to avoid is the inevitable, the billionaires buying all the players, the hundred, you know, the, the guy with nine figures in his banks is buying all the players. And you know what happens then? 
college football is not as popular as it used to be. When we run the poll, <coughs> uh, you know, do you does college football mean as much to you as it used to? Has it lost anything? 75% of you tell us that it has. 75% of you tell us that, right? So why is that? It's because you can't keep your team together. It's because you hate the fact that you feel like you have to pay these guys salaries, right? It's because the best coaches are leaving the sport. When rich boosters buy all of the best players, the popularity of this sport dips. It declines, all right? You have a situation right now where minor league athletes are making more than the pros. And I can prove this. Nico Yamilieva, and it's still going to take all of us some time to work, <laughs> work on his name. I have yet to meet anyone in, in sports media who can say that name right without tripping over themselves. It's like the new DJ Uyanglele. Nico <coughs> Lamalieva. I should cough before I try to say that. Man, that's tough. Check this out. He's getting $8 million to play this year for Tennessee. $8 million. Brock Purdy is about to start in the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy's getting 800000 <laughs> A first-year starting quarterback in college is making 10 times what a starting quarterback is in the National Football League. This happens nowhere else. And a lot of you guys want to say, free market, free market. No, no, no. It needs to be organized. There needs to be a salary cap. There needs to be a collective bargaining agreement. And we can discuss how that would work. You know, to, to the vast majority of players, a collective of CBA would be amazing. Why? Because to them, they would now get paid something, which is right now they're not getting paid everything. You guys think all these guys are getting paid. About 5% of them are. 5% of the, uh, of the athletes in college athletics. You got Liv Dunn at LSU Gymnastics. You got some college basketball players, a lot of college football players. It is estimated that the total investment in NIL per year is $300 million. Okay, $300 million. That $300 million is being made by 5% of the athletes. So if you have a CBA and now you got your third string tight end that's getting $13,000 a year, that's pretty cool, isn't it? He wasn't getting that before. He is getting that now. It would be easiest if everyone makes the same amount of money, but I think guys like Caleb Williams would not sign on to that, so just agree on the CBA. Tell us what the CBA is. Does every quarterback of a Power 5 school make 100000 250000 What is it? You know, decide what the CBA is. Decide what that dollar amount holds. And then once you agree to that, again, there's no more lawsuits. There's no more Ed O'Bannon. There's no more ripping away NCAA football from us for 15 years. There's no more doing that. Diesel, for the first time, man, I can see a light at the end of the tunnel here. The how to fix it in terms of the five W's is beginning to come into focus. Um, and I don't know when this is going to land. Uh, I don't know what the specifics of the parameters are going to be, but it's pretty evident to me the how this is going to be resolved uh, is coming into focus.
Well, the scary thing is, though, is we've got to get a lot of people to agree on things. And that's not the way college football has been structured ever. Uh, the NCAA has been out for themselves. And then over the past you know, 15, 20 years, especially since realignment has gotten out of control and since the dollar figures in these media rights deals have shot through the roof, each conference is selfishly out for itself. And that's the way it's structured. The SEC is trying to claw and climb and get above the Big Ten and their media payouts. The Big Tens try to retake that and do the same thing. It's like the old school uh, stadium capacity wars where you'd, you'd see Ohio State throw another 30 seats on their stadium to say, okay, ours is bigger than Michigan. And then Michigan would respond and add another 50 seats so that theirs was bigger than Ohio State's again. I don't know how we're going to get all of these entities to agree and come together for the betterment of the sport when all they know how to do is be selfish. It's going to be fascinating to see how this this unfolds. Guys, there's a lot more to unpeel here. Uh, I've got no fewer than like 20 bullet points circled on my page here to my left. Very, very interesting stuff. Uh, and I kind of think this is the conversation that's going to dominate the offseason, right? Like the future of college football, fixing college football, how, who, what, when, where, why, and how, how we're going to get there, because we love it, right? The sports, we love the sports. We're crazy about the sports. We do not want to see this sport flushed. Sports that we care far less about, you know, like we survive when the sport doesn't do as well. When Major League Baseball craps all over itself 20 years ago, we say, see you later. We've got other options. When the president of the Cincinnati Reds says, oh, you're not going to come to the game, where else are you going to go? It's your only option. Cincinnati Reds fans go elsewhere. But we don't want to say goodbye to the college football that we know and love. So therefore, we've got to look at a way through, and we're doing just that. All right, my friends, what do you say we go to the Super Bowl and speak to Alex Gold, midday show host of 610 Sports Kansas City, and we'll do that next right here on the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides, Mark, Ron, and Diesel. We are the Fan Upstate. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Man, Super Bowl 58. Finally figured out what the hell these uh, Roman numerals mean. Incredibly excited for it, man. I am. <coughs> anyway, I mean, I do believe, and I know that, you know, goat conversations can be fatiguing, 
But I believe Patrick Mahomes is the only guy that can ever catch Tom Brady. I don't think he has to match his Super Bowl total to do so. I think we're seeing him do things that we've never seen anyone do before on uh, on the gridiron. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, cannot wait to check this out. San Francisco remains a slight favorite, but the vast majority I'm speaking to are going against that. Joining us right now is the host of Cody and Gold, the midday show on 610 Sports Kansas City and that betting show on our BetQL app. Great dude, Alex Gold, joins us right now on the show. Alex, truly appreciate you making the time. He takes us to the Super Bowl right now. Alex, can you bring us there? Sights, smells, Absolutely, sounds. Man. What are you experiencing? Uh, the energy. You know the energy you get in Las Vegas. You can, you can sense it just walking around Radio Road today because you've been to some of these before, I'm sure, and you know Monday, Tuesday, typically – some of these other cities, Radio Row's a little empty. There's not a whole lot of energy yet. Complete opposite, though. There's plenty of energy already here in Vegas. Today feels more like a Thursday or, or Friday from a Radio Row perspective. It's the record number of media members here. Last night, opening night, had a lot of energy. And certainly far more 49ers fans slash maybe Raiders fans that were booing uh, the Jeeps. So it, it's been fun already, man. Busy, but about a lot of fun. What's been the most surprising occurrence or event or soundboard or sight that you have taken in thus far? Yeah, you know, I, I wasn't surprised that there's more 49ers fans, as I said, but I still think the, the sheer number of, of boos and the fact that a, a team in Kansas City has become the villain of the, the NFL, like that in its own right is just a little bit surprising. I don't think anybody in Kansas City ever thought that their football team or any of their sports teams would be – uh, the, the most hated team, according to one survey in the NFL. And I guess it comes with winning more than anything else. But that still is probably an adjustment for a lot of people. Uh, I don't think we've seen really anything too crazy yet uh, here in Las Vegas. You know, we'll see tonight. There's a couple a couple events going on this evening and some, some parties later on in the week and things like that. But it's been it's actually been fairly chill to this point from uh, uh, anything being surprising uh, when it comes to the football end. Alex, it blew me away. I, we had a piece of audio come across our laps today of some reporter, an unnamed reporter, asking Patrick Mahomes for his best Kermit the Frog impression. How annoyed do you think Patrick is by questions like that? Are you guys in your interviews, especially since you might have a little bit of familiarity with some of these guys being from their home city, uh, asking the silly type questions? And, and like, how ludicrous is it getting out there? <laughs> Yeah, so look, not, not the not the voice stuff. The Kermit the Frog stuff is something that we definitely recognized uh, right away when, when he became the starting quarterback in, in Kansas City. So we stay away from that in particular. Um, as you would imagine, though, last night, Travis Kelsey, his podium at opening night, uh, I mean, I don't know, 95% of the questions were related to Taylor Swift. Nobody had more media around them than Travis Kelsey because of, of Taylor Swift and the connection and everything going on there. Um yeah, I, I think that is always going to be uh, something that makes up opening night, the silliness. We, we had a few questions in. My co-host played me a bit of audio today, Mark, that I hadn't, I hadn't heard. He asked the Chiefs punter, Tony Townsend, who might be the most eligible bachelor in Kansas City, for dating advice for myself. Uh, and so we played that. He, he basically said Kansas City is a, uh, is a small town, so you got to be careful, which I think says a lot about Tommy Townsend, maybe. Yeah, that's incredible. Alex Gold joining us here on the show. 
Uh, Alex, you know, uh, on this show, we have bemoaned the losers that complain when Taylor Swift is, is shown. Uh, my wife and I both love when it happens. We, uh, we, we want to see it more often than they do show her. And I've been really taken by how loyal a girlfriend she is, by how supportive she is. I have no idea what her knowledge of football was prior to this relationship, but she's engaged, she's invested, and I actually believe it's kind of a good lesson for an America that is has a grass is greener mentality and has an exceedingly high divorce rate. What's it been like to consume that in Kansas City? We've had a blast with it. I mean, from, from the minute it became known that it was real, right, that it was a relationship, it's provided a, a ton of content. Everybody in Kansas City has loved it. It's, it's added to the spotlight that is Kansas City. I mean, uh, the, the house that Travis Kelsey bought recently that – uh, they both share when she's in town is, I don't know, 10 minutes from where I live or so. So just thinking about that is pretty hilarious to see that there's paparazzi that follow Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift around in Kansas City when they're here. And, and so, you know, I'm with you on those that are upset about it. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's just grumpy old men. I think that's all it is. She's on TV for 0.4% of the broadcast. Nobody has any problem with Jerry Jones being shown stuff in his face during a broadcast when they cut to him a hundred times. But somehow we have a problem when Taylor Swift is shown for three seconds when her boyfriend catches a touchdown pass or something. So I think it's great for the sport. Roger Bell was asked about it yesterday. He had his opening press conference here in Vegas, and he mentioned just the, the attention that it brings to the NFL. You know, the NFL loves it. And if you're, uh, you know, if you're a dad, you know, I, I don't have any kids, but if you're someone that does, I've, I've spoken to multiple people that have young daughters who had no interest in the NFL or football. But because of Taylor Swift, they're like, yeah, I want to watch the game today, and you're, you're having new fans to the sport. I think that's great, and maybe it's a great way to have even more of a connection to your daughter if that's what's going on in some circumstances. I, I don't see the downside. I really don't. I don't know how you could be negative about it unless you're just trying to be a hater. Alex, hey, uh, Alex, if if we can, if you can hold for me one second, Alex, can we, if we can try to give you a call right back and get a little bit better connection, uh, you're breaking up on us right now, and we don't want to break up with you. We don't want to see uh, Taylor and Travis break up either. So if we can uh, get just a little bit better connection, call them back and maybe try again, uh, that would be great. You see, guys, you know what you're hearing a lot. We've had a lot of folks grumpy in the upstate about the Taylor Swift love, and I, I think that has, unfortunately, more to do with politics than it does anything else. We all can see, we all know that this is unbelievable for the sport. It adds an entertainment value to the broadcast, and when you consider, you know, just how kind of awesome of a girlfriend she's being to Travis, you know, she has no... Re Tra Taylor Swift doesn't have business in Kansas City. Taylor Swift doesn't have business um, in Buffalo. But there she is, <coughs> flying to and from, taking literal days of her life every single week to go there, right? It's, it, really is, it really is incredible. really is incredible. Okay. Um, <coughs> all right. Alex joins us back here again. Alex, sorry about that, man. We had a, a little bit of a, of a bad connection there. My, uh, my producer, Diesel, has a question for you. Diesel, go right ahead. Yeah, Alex, the question is, in a game that is, is as tight as this one is expected to be. Uh, if Alex, San... are you with me? Yeah, Mark, I got yeah, it. Uh, yeah, if, uh, if San Francisco is able, to, is able to beat the Chiefs, it'll be because the, the 49ers did what right? 
Yeah, I think it's going to be doing something that both Sean McDermott of the Bills and uh, Harbaugh with the Ravens wasn't willing to do, which is stick to the running game. I mean, Kansas City, their biggest weakness on defense is up the middle, giving up big-time runs. And we know the Ravens ran the ball just six times with their running backs. I, I didn't get that game plan whatsoever. And so I actually believe Kyle Shanahan's willing to stick to the running game, even if they get down. We saw that play out in the second half against the Lions. You have Christian McCaffrey, who best running back in football. He's far more than a running back as well. So I think that's still the biggest question for this game is how does Kansas City uh, prevent McCaffrey from being basically the MVP of this game? You know that they got so many other weapons, but I think Kansas City can limit Brandon Ayuk. They've shut down number one wide receivers this entire season. You take a look at how Legereus Sneed has matched up against Tyreek Hill or A.J. Brown or Stephon Diggs. We go on and on. These number one receivers they have seen this year – Legereus Steed just gave up his first touchdown of the season last week. So I think they can hold Ayuk check, but it's whether or not Christian McCaffrey goes for, you know, a buck 50 from scrimmage and has multiple touchdowns. That to me is where the Chiefs become uh, obviously extremely vulnerable. Alex Gold joining us here on the show. Alex, Michelle Tafoya told me on CBS Sports Radio that she expects Travis Kelsey to retire this offseason. Is that the vibe you're picking up? And what is your lean on Andy Reid? Yeah, not at all. I'll be honest. I, I heard that interview. We definitely played that on our show. And, you know, look, I, we just had Clark Hunt, the owner of the Chiefs, on the show, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes ago. Uh, we heard from Andy Reid. Uh, he was asked about that right after your interview, actually, uh, with Michelle. And it would be a stunner on both ends, by the way. I mean, every indication has been that nobody in the facility, Clark Hunt, Brett Veach, nobody believes that Andy Reid is hanging this thing up. He's younger than Bill Belichick as long as his health is there, and we have no reason to believe that that he's not able to continue doing that. And he's not walking away. I think he would be a complete stunner. I know there was some other reports out there from Mike Florio suggesting it. He's kind of brought it up the last couple of years, to be honest with you. Um, but, no, that would be a stunner on both ends. You know, Travis Kelsey has opportunities away from the field. We recognize that. Uh, but I think those opportunities will exist you know, a year from now or three years from now, and he's coming off a season. I know everybody thought he was having a bad year. He still is 16 yards short of 1,000, and we've all watched him here in the postseason. He's playing like a Hall of Famer again this postseason run. So I heard that as well, um, but I think everybody would be stunned, frankly, if either of those guys call it quits after this Super Bowl. Alex, you know, when you listen to interview clips of Andy Reid, he can be incredibly dry with his humor, but he can also be, you know, he can be really, really funny at times. I think he was asked a question just the other day, and he responded with, I just love sharing my, my love of nuggies with the world. I mean, that's a dude who is, who's got a great sense of humor. In your dealings with him, what's the easiest way to get him to open up and really, and really show you some of, that, some of that personality? Yeah, so I know this is, sounds funny, but a lot of times it is a little bit about, about food. <laughs> you know, you, 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 give, you joke around about uh, some of the food in the particular city that they might be playing in that, that week uh, or, or his commercials. You know, he, he was even asked by somebody this week uh, if he's got a SAG card, you know, a Screen Actors Guild card, now that he's doing all these commercials and things like that. And, and he was asked, hey, do you get recognized way more because of that? He, he enjoyed that comment, but he was trying to still stay humble a little bit because he's like, yeah, obviously people know me now. Uh, more than just a football coach, they see me in these State Farm commercials or whatever it may be. So, yeah, he, he has his moments where he certainly can uh, he can be entertaining uh, when he wants to, is what I would say. There's sometimes where he has no interest in doing that, but if you catch him at the right day, you'll see it. 
Alex Gold joining us. You hear him nationally on BetQL. Alex, there's been so many Saturdays where I'm listening to you on BetQL going to the studio to host on CBS Sports Radio. And uh, I'm like, my man, Alex, we're getting together, man. Weekend Warriors, you and me. Uh, A really, really good place to be. Alex, how did a lesser iteration of the Chiefs but we, the, the the one that we've seen under Mahomes and Reed make it here, right? Or is this not a lesser squad? Some of the roster holes, the record seems to indicate it is. Right. Yeah. I, I saw that as you were referencing there from a, a future standpoint and, and where last year's team would have stacked up uh, compared to this team in, in the betting market and how they would be underdogs against last year's team. I think, you know, it's weird. It's just it's different from how everybody has perceived the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes during this run. It's always been about the offense, Patrick Mahomes, but this year it's been about the defense. You know, I, I know they weren't number one in every single category defensively, but I think it's the best defense in football. I think they've proven that with what they've done against Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson in the postseason as well. The one thing they don't do is they don't get the turnovers the way maybe Baltimore did during the season. It hasn't been something they've done on a regular basis, but this team would not be sitting here today if it wasn't for Steve Spagnuolo, their defensive coordinator, who doesn't get enough credit on top of every other player on this, this team that probably doesn't get as much credit as they should. And so this defense has been just the massive story this year and has bought time for the offense to figure some things out to get to a point where you know, this offense isn't the liability that it was early on with the drops, the penalties, and the turnovers. Now they're at least able in their moments, especially in the first half, to get enough out of the offense to have the kind of success because you're not asking them to score 28 or 30 points. Alex, I, I, we were forever interested in the Brady or Belichick debate about which was more responsible for the Patriots' dynasty and success. And when Brady left, we got that answer, and some of us were right and some of us were wrong. How come in no way, shape, or form, how have uh, Mahomes and Reed been able to completely avoid that? Because something very similar is at play here where the reality is you need both of them to be great, but we're not doing to those guys what we did to Brady and Belichick about this. Yeah, I think a lot of it is the the relationship from the top of the organization down. You know, you, you have Andy Reid who was willing to give up the general manager role, which is what he had in Philadelphia. And so while he still has his say in, in personnel decisions, he's willing to let Brett Beach, the team's general manager, uh, call the shots for the most part. And so you've got a great relationship there. You don't have him focusing too much on the personnel side. Obviously, Mahomes and Andy Reid, they, they think alike, guys. They, they just think a lot alike in how they approach in-game situations, how they approach, you know, game planning. And, hey, we're going to let Patrick Mahomes also have some say in, in, in the way games are going to be called. You guys probably saw the mic'd up segment from the last time, actually, the 49ers and Chiefs played. The famous play, Jet Chip Wasp, which was the deep pass on the long third down conversion to Tyreek Hill. There's a clip where Mahomes is saying, do we have time to run Wasp? And he's talking about, does their offensive line have enough time to hold up? And so that was a play he asked for. And that relationship, a give and take, is a big reason why you don't have any stories about, you know, maybe some, some disagreements or anything like that. Plus, look, if you're Patrick Mahomes, I mean, there's probably not a better coach in the league for you the minute you came out of college from Texas Tech. And it really has been smooth sailing, guys. I mean, they're, they're, they're the model franchise right now, not just because they're winning, duh, and Super Bowls, but just the way it is set up right now organizationally. And they just got a good group of people involved in the very important pieces and places, I should say, that are required to have longstanding championship success. 
Why do you believe we're, we're seeing this discrepancy between the 49ers being favored, but yet almost everyone's picking the Chiefs? What's that about? Well, I think, look, the 49ers for the entire season were, other than opening day, when the Chiefs were preseason favorites, they've been basically the favorite all year. Everybody thought they were the dominant team. You can't beat them. Then they hit a lull with some injuries. The Chiefs, meanwhile, they've been playing catch-up. A lot of people wrote them off. And so while the, the public, the fans are all on the Chiefs again because of how they have looked, I think still those that are sharps in the betting world and they, they take a look at how they valued a team all year, the Niners are, are valued higher in that end than Kansas City. But I'll tell you what, I mean, their look-ahead line prior to the Chiefs game against the Ravens had Kansas City as a three-point underdog, and I was stunned to see that. And, and we told people on our betting show to jump on that if you think the Chiefs are going to win because you're not going to find a three on the board. Are they going to really give you a three with Mahomes as a dog again? Well, he's still a dog, but, you know, it's two, two and a half, depending on what book you're looking at. So I'm not surprised they're underdogs. What I am surprised about, Mark, is that it hasn't gone down to one or one and a half. And I don't, I don't think it's going to. But we would have already seen more of that movement. Um, I think the Niners, playmakers, uh, weapons that they have, people believe that they will actually be able to have more success against this defense. Because people still, for whatever reason, have questioned the Chiefs' defense, despite them continue to – have success against Lamar and Josh Allen and these other quarterbacks, and yet I think people still wonder what happens now in this this next test. Everybody is is looking for that next um, challenge that the Chiefs can't match and meet, and a lot of people have been wrong about that, and we'll see what happens on Sunday. One non-football question for you, Alex. Yesterday we got the breaking news. Kansas City's Bobby Witt 11-year deal, $288 million dollars. Um, can you speak to how this represents a departure from the normal business methodology of Kansas City and, and what this means for the belief, belief in the franchise locally? Well, it was a huge day in Kansas City. I mean, it was the biggest day for the Royals franchise since they won the World Series in 2015. And it's been a bunch of dark years since. You know, they haven't had a whole lot of success. And anytime you're dealing with a small market, we always know the financial obstacles that exist. Uh, but this is the largest, other than San Diego, I believe, the largest small market contract that a team has handed out. John Sherman's only owned this team for five years or so. He bought the team right before the pandemic. Hasn't really had a chance to fully have a stranglehold on the organization until he fired their prior general manager, Dane Moore, who did bring a world championship to Kansas City. Um, but this speaks volumes about John Sherman's willingness to build a winner and an AL Central, that, guys, is terrible. I mean, they don't have to win 95 games to be in the mix in this division whatsoever. And so you're not asking yourself to have this huge bit of an improvement in, in 95 games or anything like that. I think it also is key locally, something people probably don't know out in your neck of the woods, is they're trying to get a stadium deal passed right now. I think that has an influence on where things stand. There's a ballot measure in April. And so you want to go out and have a good offseason and also lock up a, a future uh, superstar for many years to come when you need the public to vote on a brand new stadium, which is going to happen. Uh, it's going to be in downtown Kansas city and it's going to pass in April. It's tied in with the chiefs as well for renovations, but this just helps. I think the fan and public sentiment about, Hey, this ownership group is willing to go spend some money and, and build a winner. There's a ton of excitement right now around the Royals heading into the season and beyond. He's one of the rising stars, not just in Kansas City, but also nationally for Odyssey, the host of Cody and Golden, that betting show, 610 Sports Kansas City, also the BetQL app in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. Alex, great catching up with you, man. Thank you so very much for making the time. Have the best time. Incidentally, Alex, the best party 
I ever attended uh, was as a media member in Houston, a Super Bowl for the 2016 season, and they shut down, Alex, the Museum of Natural History like dinosaurs, and each dinosaur station was like different food and drink. And it was only open to the media. I wish everyone could have been there. Coolest party I've ever went to. Live it up, my friend. Thank you so much for all you do. Absolutely. Hey, thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. All right, take care. Alex Gold, uh, 610 Sports Kansas City, our Odyssey station, joining us here from the Super Bowl. Fantastic to set that up. All right, this team was left for dead, but based on something I just saw, there might still be hope for them yet. That's next. My name is Mark Ryan. He's Diesel. And we are the Fan Up State. It's offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the Fan Up State. Great to have you guys with us. Texter wants to know who's going to be on 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern CBS moving forward. Something happened I'm, aware, I'm unaware of. It's crazy to me. I have no idea what this is about. Texter says, Mark, to hell with scholarships. If they want to play, they pay their own way. I second that emotion, Texter. Texter says, lies. They pan to her every first down. I know because I watch the games. Uh, Texter, but do you know this? The average time she's shown in a three-hour and 15-minute typical NFL broadcast is 25 seconds. Grow up. Grow up. This isn't hurting you at all. 25 seconds. Uh, Texter says she's a psyop, period, end of discussion. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, denial is not just a river in Egypt. Texter says all the swift talk is speeding up my metabolism. It makes me visit the throne. You see this? Like, it's, it's insane. What is this about? It's about Trump, isn't it? Like, you, she likes Trump and so, she doesn't like Trump and some of you do. That's what this is about, right? I mean, in the end, that's what this is about. What else is it about? What else could it be about? You know, she's done nothing to you, nothing to your family. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. You know, um, if you dislike people who have different political beliefs than you, you dislike everybody because everyone has different political beliefs than you do. Period. Um, guys, I thought this was uh, I thought this was interesting. Um, the there are right now in the NBA. There are four teams that have won 10 games or less Four: the San Antonio Spurs, the Detroit Pistons, the Washington Wizards and the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets have been miserable. 10 and 39, um, a winning percentage of 204, and they're in a race just to get the season over. They fired the head coach, James Borrego, who got them to the playoffs and has a name very similar to Diesel's puppy, um, and they have not rebounded since. They just traded Terry Rozier to the Miami Heat. Terry Rozier parting shot had a knock said they don't win in Charlotte because they have a losing culture there. Like they, the players just expect to lose. It's a total difference in terms of cultures there. And Miami gets a big boost adding them. 23 points a game, 6.6 assists. So you're saying, well, Mark, we know the Charlotte Hornets stink, right? Like, what's your point? What are you trying to say here? Where are you trying to go? What I'm saying is I saw something the other night that impressed me. And I, you know if you listen to the show, I'm not somebody who's easily impressed. Okay, Brandon Miller, 
number two pick out of Alabama, the same Brandon Miller that we on this show said should not have been eligible for the NCAA tournament last year, okay, because whatever his involvement was in the shooting of that student at Alabama who, who died, um, brought uh, the car, didn't know the gun was in the car, allegedly, whatever, that his tie-in meant to me that he shouldn't have been playing in that game, okay? However, what they've gotten with a number two pick, and again, most cursed fan franchise ever if I said to you guys who are the cursed franchises in sports like you are convinced this franchise in sports is cursed what would you say the renewal by Anderson fan phone is there for you at 844-326-3663 Charlotte has to be up there right they lose out on Dwight Howard for Emeka Okafor Uh, we called him Emeka 0 for 4 because he couldn't shoot Right? That's, that's what we called him in, uh, in Orlando when I was there. They lose out on Anthony Davis to Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Knew there was a problem when owner Michael Jordan, 50 years old, was beating the draft pick one-on-one. You can go through countless examples of how this team has gotten absolutely screwed by bad luck. Luck is the residue of preparation. This team has not been well run. But I'm going to tell you what, man. Brandon Miller, I'm watching this guy play. I'm super impressed. I'm incredibly impressed. There was a specific play the other night where he makes a layup. And by the way, LeBron James is recognizing this as well, giving, hugging him, giving him words of encouragement, telling him he loves what he sees in his game. He's averaging 16 points a game, four rebounds a game, uh, about three assists per game, about a block per game. His um, three-point shooting, 39%. For a rookie is actually, I mean, that's such a pleasant surprise. But what I saw involved a word that I can't use on the radio. It came out of his mouth, and I was really impressed by it. He makes a layup, okay? He makes a layup, and then he's the first Charlotte Hornet down the court, okay? And Charlotte ends up fouling on the play, and he looks back at his teammates as if to say, how the bleep am I the first one down the court? when I'm the one who made the layup. And he says, get the F down here. That's audible on the mic. You know, it's audible him cursing at his teammates because they're not giving a damn. He's 21 years old. He just turned 21 years old. And the lack of BS that he is willing to take puts up with none of it, is tired of the losing, is tired of the lack of effort. I mean, think about, you know, it's, he's, he's essentially saying to his teammates, I'm not going to be the one on this group project doing all the work and you guys get an A. That's, that's not going to be how we roll up here. How do you make a layup and then I'm the first one down the court and then I have to foul to prevent them from getting a layup? Make that make sense to me. Brandon Miller, man, I got to be honest with you. The, the, the Hornets are, a, are light years away. It'd be great to see Brandon Miller and LaMelo Ball on the court at the same time, but... My friends, they got a piece there. They got a piece there. And you can feel really, really good about that. Massive night for college hoops in the upstate. Um, South Carolina still attempting to break new ground. Clemson trying to prevent the wheels from falling off. What happens tonight? We'll talk about it next with you here on the most interactive sports radio show anywhere. It's Offsides. 
Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are the Fan Up State. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.